This empty chair represents the addict who died today, not knowing recovery was possible. Hi, everyone, and welcome to tonight's episode of The Empty Chair for the Addict That Didn't Know Recovery Was Possible. Tonight's a great evening. I have two amazing individuals here with me tonight, and uh, we're in for uh, for definitely a good show, for sure. Um, so I just want to go over some numbers um, of our overdoses in the Merrimack Valley, which is Haverhill, Lawrence, Methuen, and North Andover. Um, since January 1st of this year, we've had 95 overdoses and seven fatalities. And again, these numbers of our overdoses that we're aware of, there are many that we're not aware of because everyone's carrying Narcan. Um, but these numbers are still high. And the fact that we've lost seven individuals um, already this year, those that's why we do the show. We want to just put education prevention out there and just let people know that there's another way of life, another way of living. Um, and you don't have to go that route. So that's why we're here. And I just want to say thank you to all our sponsors who make this show possible. We have Alternative Healthcare, Atkinson Flooring, Discovering Methuen, Enterprise Bank, Essex County Outreach, yes, whoop, whoop. <laughs> Essex Flooring, Greater Lawrence Family Health Center, The Haven of Hope, Lawrence Methuen Community Coalition, Meta Addiction Services, Title Boxing in North Andover, R&R &R Welding and Fabrication. So thank you all. So what these individuals do, as you know, because you purchase, um, as you'll see throughout the night, there is a um, those things right there, advertisements <laughs> going through. Yep. So that advertisement is um, you pay a dollar amount for that. We're able to scholarship individuals into treatment, into detox, um, which is really great. We've also scholarshiped individuals to get their CRSW on it when they didn't have their funds. So we appreciate all of you. Thank you for doing it. Lou, my name's spelled wrong, but that's okay. It's CH, not SH. <laughs> I'm like, what's that? But at least you got the Caffrey right. So anyways, I just want to um, thank you to all our sponsors. Thank you to Costa Broadcasting for allowing us to use their facility. And most importantly, to Lou Blazy, who is behind there for his support and believing that recovery is possible. There, I fixed it. Okay. Thank you, dear. <laughs> um, so the only thing I wanted to talk about is MVP ASAP held their first event since COVID. Um, and it was the coldest day of the year and people still came out. I was really impressed with the numbers that we had there considering i was getting phone calls all morning about my pipes broke my car won't start it was we that were stuck outside didn't know how to get in but it was we amazing. stuck outside <laughs> didn't know how to get in so it was but what an amazing event a great turnout i think we had over 22 <laughs> vendors that were able to show up and then i think um close to 100 individuals um and that was the vendors plus guests that came in so it was a really uh, a great event as you were there. And I don't know if you learned anything new, but it was all about heal your brain and the body will follow. Mm -hmm. Trying to look at a different way to come at recovery um, and stop focusing on fixing yourself and just fix the brain first and then see what self does. You know, and uh, two amazing presenters. We had Donna Lo, I can never pronounce her last name, and Mary Valvolita. And I just think they did a great job. Yeah, they did an awesome job. It was fun. Um, so also MVP ASAP was also asked to be the guest speaker. We spoke at South Church in Andover. 
Um, we were the guest speaker at the Greater Lawrence Technical School at their family night. They had us there for dinner. And what I really loved, there was probably maybe 100, over 100. I'm trying to remember. It was a big crowd, and these were parents. And that's who we really try to get to right. because we want to have the conversation with them. And I love that they raised hands and asked questions because there's a lot of times where, you know, Phil's huge on people always saying, not my kid. And this is the first school that actually the, that we saw this amount of parents mm -hmm. participate in regards to their kids mm -hmm. and what's going on. They were asking, what signs do I look for? What can I do? And it was just, it was a great event. And then most recently we had Phil Leahy speak at the Heart to Heart Surviving the Storm. And that was held at the Haverhill Library this week. And that was a great turnout, a lot of great speakers. And um, so MVP ASAP, we're staying busy. Um, Clearly. Yes, we're, we're <laughs> awesome. back on the move. It's like COVID's over. And now we're just trying to continue to create events um, where we can be present to individuals so that people know where they can go. So some of the weekly events that we have, again, is the Monday night. We have the Circle of Hope, which is with Phil and Fran Leahy um, that meets at the Bethlehem Police Department from 630 to 8. This coming Monday, I will be hosting the resource night at the Bethlehem Police Department. Narcan distribution is at 6 p.m. And then Crossroads Recovery Center um, from Salem, New Hampshire, will be there at 6.30 to talk about their services. Um, I was mentioning to you folks earlier that this is one of the first um, IOPs for mental health, which I think is amazing. Um, so they have mental health IOP and an evening IOP for addiction. So if you want information on that, come down to Methuen Police Department and listen to Mike Miles from Crossroads. Come talk about what they offer for services. Or as always, you can reach out to me. I love telling everyone about the Phoenix Gym. This is a, like what for myself, exercise was one of the biggest things that I held on to when I first got sober because it kept my mind going. It kept me out of my head. And it was just a great way to move negative energy. And Phoenix Gym, they have free gyms all over the place. Um, our closest one is in Lowell. There's a full list of classes on Facebook. The only requirement is that you have to be sober 24 hours. Um, so check out the Phoenix Gym, Lowell Mass. And if you have any questions on that, you can reach out to me. Um, speaking of exercise, I, we have aerobics. It's not aerobics. It's called Fit and Fabulous. We're from ages 18 to 80. If you make us get up right now. Yes, <laughs> Fit and Fabulous. From 18 to 80, um, we host um, Fit and Fabulous. It is dance. It's, it's exercise. Um, we use weights, we use um, those bands that you put around your legs and you can't walk and we use, but it's fun. It's 5.30 to 6.30 on Tuesdays and Wednesday evenings. Um, we have an instructor, Cindy Bonanno, who kicks our butt, um, but you work at your own pace, but she's just a great motivator. So another way to A, lose weight, bring down diabetes, get active, and it's right at Methuen Police Department. So those are the things that we have um, available. Um, tonight we have 55 years of recovery between Steve and I, which mm. I think is pretty cool. Um, we are a testimony that um, you can get sober and stay sober because both of us have. And um, I mean, I'm just here to uh, introduce Steve, who's going to share his testimony, and then we'll hear from Ms. Danny Sinclair. But Steve, you're sober 20 years. Did you, ever did you ever think you'd be 20 years sober? Never thought I'd do 20 days. 
Amen. Right. Yeah. And then here you are. Yeah. So how did it, how did you get the 20 days? Never mind the 20 years. So <clears throat> I guess right out of the gate, I, um, I knew once I started drinking, I drank differently than most of the people I hung around with. Um, Define differently. Like on top of you, were you doing handstands upside down drinking? A little of both. <laughs> yeah, a little of both. Um, but, uh, you know, I had um, I had a cousin uh, that had some real significant issues with alcohol. Um, and when I was in high school, he, had, he ended up doing uh, time up at the old Lawrence jail. Um, he had taken his two boys out to get ice cream and was drinking and left Lawrence heading back to Salem and um, flipped his car and one of his sons was killed. Wow. And, uh, you know, I remember him saying um, that, you know, he did a short amount of time in jail, but it was a life sentence knowing that he killed his, yeah. I think at the time, 13 year old son. And I remember having him come and speak at, the high school that I went to, Shrewsbury High, um, and, I, and I'll never forget. There wasn't a there wasn't a dry eye in the uh, entire place. And um, at the time, I was involved in Students Against Drunk Drivers, um, so it's kind of ironic the you know the path that I ended up taking. And yeah. um, so I uh, I left the house at a young age. I was seventeen when I went to college. Um, Norwich and, uh, University. Well, we had we did a little trial run up at UNH for a year. Okay. Yeah, we, we practiced college for a little while, um, and uh, so yeah. After um, after I uh, was at UNH uh, and I had gotten into some trouble up there, um, I wanted to go up to Norwich. And uh, why I'm not sure at the time, but nonetheless. Um, that's uh, that's where I ended up, and um, for those of you that don't know much about Norwich, it's a uh, it's a military college in the middle of Vermont, in the middle of the mountains. And you know, I was up there in the uh, early '80s and graduated in uh, 1990. And you know, at the time, about the only thing to do up there was to drink and fight, and I did a lot of both. Um, you know, and I. Uh, I've heard a number of times, you know, people talk about bad decisions and whatnot. And uh, and what I've heard is bad decisions make for good stories. And I've got a lot of good stories. Mm -hmm. um, Do you remember them all? No, I've been told a lot of them. <laughs> and every once in a while when somebody calls in yeah. that I haven't talked to in a while, yeah. I'm reminded of it. Yeah. Um, but I, um, you know, I was at Norwich. And again, I... I hung around with a group of kids. It was, uh, you know, it was a group of guys from, from Boston, Worcester, um, the North shore, mostly Irish kids. Um, and we were, uh, 45 minutes from Burlington, Vermont. And, um, so, you know, when it first started out, uh, for the first four or five months, you know, we were locked down at school. Um, we weren't allowed to go anywhere. And uh, so then sometime in in November of the freshman year, they have what's called recognition. So you're now not 
the piece of shit much and in the in the gutters and you become a cadet and uh and we get cut loose and um so when i was up there the drinking age was 18. um not sure if that was that expedited where i'm at right now or not but uh nonetheless um you know for me it started with you know friday and saturday nights going up to burlington um you know freshman year and uh you know when the fighting started up there and um you know it was i guess back then it was fun yeah. um and you didn't look at some of the consequences yeah. and whatnot and then uh you know fridays and saturdays turned into thursday friday saturday and you know by the time i was uh a junior at norwich um it could be seven days a week mm -hmm. and uh still able to pull off uh you know the grades to get through there um and uh you know, so um, I, I would come back to my uh, to my room Sunday nights, Monday mornings, and um, there would always be a, a yellow sticky on my door saying, um, Private Heald, come see Colonel Harrison or come see Colonel Donovan <laughs> ASAP. So I had a special uniform in my in my closet that I kept just for those occasions when I had to go up and and take my spanking and and whatnot and um you know uh i i had a lot of fun up there um then come my junior year um this same group of kids that i hung around with uh we were out on a uh on a saturday night and i'm not sure in vermont where they send bounces to go to bounce school but when you get two groups fighting in the bar you don't send both groups out at the same time <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's what happened this night. And, um, you know, it still bothers me to this day when I think about it because it was uh, a group of local guys from, from Burlington, South Burlington, and it was a half a dozen of them and a half a dozen of us. And when it was, when it was all said and done um, and, and the fight was over and we left, uh, I didn't know if a couple of the kids were dead. Yeah. And um, one of them that I had gotten involved with, and you know, it turns out he had a he had about 130 stitches across his forehead, and his jaw was broken. And um, and the cops caught up with us, and uh, next thing you know, I'm I'm arrested with another guy from my group. And um, you know, you would think at that point, um, I'd start thinking about my drinking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you didn't up there. It was kind of a badge of honor yeah. to come back and, you know, um, and, uh, so I spent a good part of my junior and senior year looking at going away, uh, to jail for a year. And at the time I was a correctional officer for the state of Vermont up in St. Johnsbury. So, um, well, it was, you know, it was a scary time. Um, and uh, I figured I'd wait until the last possible minute to call my parents. Um, but there wasn't much that they didn't find out because my father grew up half an hour up the street in St. Albans. So, you know, there were times he would call up the next morning and say, oh, I heard you had a good time last night as I got lugged out of the, you know, the uh, hockey rink or, or whatnot. Um, but again, you know, you and I, 
we know these signposts and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I talk about this often, you know, one of my roommates, um, he and I were coming back from Burlington one night and, um, I remember waking up and looking out, I'm in the passenger seat, looking out my side window and there's flames going by my window. And I looked over at him and he's out cold driving. We're going like 80 miles an hour down 89, just riding the guy, God rail the whole way down there. Wow. And, uh, you know, again, not thinking twice of it. And, um, you know, early in my freshman year, or actually it might've been even before I get up there, five cadets were coming home from Burlington and, and fell asleep and went off the road and they were all killed. Um, and, uh, you know, so it wasn't like I didn't see the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, in any event, you know, it, uh, time moves forward and it's coming graduation time. And, um, I, uh, there was a couple of us. We had took it, taken an art class. Senior year, supposed to be a guaranteed A. Well, this guy changed <laughs> his mind. He didn't like his reputation. And uh, every senior in the class had like Fs and 30 and 40s and, and whatnot. So my family was already on their way up to graduation. And we're looking at the board. Is our name ever going to get up there? Uh-huh. And thank God they did. But, um, so the gentleman that was the uh, guest speaker that particular year, was a Norwich grad from the seventies. He was a, I think he was a vice president of NBC and, and he gets up there and he starts talking about, um, he heard his record was broken and, um, he had set the record for the most punishment or the most tours ever to be done at the school. And, uh, so I'm like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. My parents (laughs) are going to be so proud of this. And, uh, so, you know, and then you hear a group of guys, my name is being yelled out, like, he'll leave. And I'm like, this is, you know, real proud moment. Yeah. Um, so I had, uh, <clears throat> I had met um, my wife at a ski bar up in Vermont. Um, it was late in my junior year. And um, it was, uh, so anyways, I was engaged in my senior year. Um, and, uh, you know, I look back and I, I don't know how she put up with some of the, the shit, um, you know, and I can, I can take an honest look back now and, you know, uh, I, I put her through a living hell for a lot of years. And, um, so we, we got married, um, before you jump ahead, yeah. Your drinking career really started in college, like in high school. Were you dabbling? And did you come from a family of addiction? So um, back then, uh, I really looked at, you know, people in in my family on both sides as heavy social drinkers, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with the exception of, you know, a handful of them. Um, You know, I I suppose if I look back now, I, I might look differently yeah but at this on the same note you know i wasn't going to point that kind of stuff out because i wanted to protect my right to drink and if i point my my finger at them you know uh so um and it was probably like my junior year i started okay yeah and but that was it you know my junior year 
it, it was a quick move to college because like I said, I was 17. Um, my birthday was in October. So, uh, you know, I was, I was called front row healed from kindergarten all the way up because I was the youngest or one of the youngest in my class. Um, so fast forward, um, <clears throat> you know, I know now what I've, I've put my parents through. Um, you know, I remember there was a, it was a Christmas that we were supposed to do fam a big family portrait for Christmas with the whole family. And um, I was supposed to go home that weekend. And uh, I went out on a Thursday night and um, I was in Burlington and I woke up Friday morning in Winooski, Vermont, um, lying across live railroad tracks with both of my eyes closed shut, broken nose and a, and a broken arm and um, had no idea how I got there. Uh, and again, huge signposts. And what did I do? I mean, I could barely see. I jumped on 89, thumb back to Norwich and, you know, hobbled my way up. And I had to call my mother up and say, cancel the pictures. And she's like, why? And I said, you'll see. And um, so, you know, it was things like that, one thing after another, after another. And um, so I got married. Um, we bought our first house. I was 23 um, when we bought our first house. And that's when I had, um, I think I had said I was a correctional officer up at uh, the state of Vermont. And when, when I get down here, I get involved in juvenile corrections. Um, I worked at Boston Secure Treatment um, for DYS, which was a unit back in the day when there were most of the kids in there were murderers with um, sentenced to life without parole or violent, violent um, sexual predators. So it was a um, real baptism by fire. Yeah. There and uh, it was in down in Roslindale, and um, <clears throat> so I went from there um, and uh, worked with the Essex County Sheriff's Department for a while, mm -hmm. um, and then up to another program, a secure treatment program uh, called Santa Point, which was uh, for DMH, DYS, and DCF kids and. Um, that was up at Denver State, and uh, are you a drinker me. throughout this time? Really? Okay. Yeah. And um, especially when we were up at Santa Point, I mean, it was literally um, going into work was like going into combat, and um, it was just about every night we'd be out in the parking lot drinking, or we'd be down at um, Sapino's drinking, and. Um, <laughs> You know, and and I and mm -hmm. I, you know, I can look back at it now, and I'm thinking to myself, how do we get home? Yeah. You know, um, so I um, I worked there, became the residential director there, and uh, my wife and I had our second child, and um, I also was doing construction at the time, so I had a construction company going, and um, so between building and working juvenile corrections. I mean, it, it's a drinking environment, you know? Uh, and um, so we had our second child. We had uh, a daughter, Megan, 
and um, Megan was about two months old when she was diagnosed with a terminal muscle disease. And um, and again, I was I was still drinking during that time frame, and uh, I was I was devastated. Um, I was angry at the world, um, and uh, my drinking took off. And uh, you know, I can remember family members coming to me and saying, "Look, we'll I'll stop drinking if you stop." And and I'd say to them, "Don't waste your time because I'm not." I wasn't prepared to. And um, so Megan passed away um, just shy of eight months. And, um, and uh, you know, I spent, I spent two days up at the cemetery drinking because the cemetery was right up the street from us and, and whatnot. And, um, and it really took off. And at that point, I uh, made a decision that I needed to not work with people. For a while um you know we were working with kids um and i i didn't want to take my anger out on somebody that didn't mm -hmm. deserve it yeah um so um at that point i got into building full-time went and got my uh, construction supervisor's license um built my first house uh over in peabody and um you know, and then it took off. I really was building a lot of houses. Uh, I built up in quite a few up in Rowley, uh, Georgetown, Tingsboro. Um, and uh, I'm going to say it was a year and a half, two years into that. I wanted to get back working with kids. And I had applied to Department of Youth Services to be a uh, uh caseworker like a juvenile parole officer and um i remember getting the call you know after the interviews and uh and i didn't get the position and um the regional director or assistant regional director asked me to apply to the next one and um he said and i did and and at the next one i got the position to work um i covered lynn court and um you know he and i had a real frank discussion and uh i didn't know till long after that he himself had struggled with alcohol and um he said that i was too raw after megan passing and and i think he knew that i was hitting the sauce pretty good um so i uh i worked lynn for um a couple of years and uh so in the in that process i had um after that we had three more kids i had uh my daughter erin um i had a son patrick and then my youngest bailey and um so i had four kids my oldest uh matt and um <clears throat> and my drinking continued um and uh so i had met um Tito Rodriguez, who we all know here, and I'm sure most of the people yeah. watching the show know Tito. <laughs> um, you know, when I think of recovery in, you know, in this area or in New England, for that matter, I think of Tito. Um, and 
so I met Tito and I met his wife, Lynn Lee. She was uh, my manager. She was in charge of the Lynn court and all that. And, um, and became, you know, friendly with them. And, um, and Tito was, uh, Tito was very um, instrumental in me getting hired onto the gang unit for DYS. That's awesome. I and, know. Uh, and, um, you know, and I was still drinking back then. And um, so I got hired to, to be the um, apprehension officer for the metro region. And uh, so I think at the time I was, I was 29 and went out to the State Police Academy out in New Braintree. And uh, so I was one of the oldest kids in my class out there. And, you know, so I'm out there and I get these 20 and 21 year old kids and, um, and I'm like, there is no way I'm going to listen to these people meaning the other cadets out there. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go for class president because then I can do it. You know, I'm in charge. <laughs> and uh, so I did that. And um, so, you know, New Braintree is another place out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so I actually had had, uh, I had knee surgery seven days before the academy, but didn't tell anybody because I didn't want to get bumped out of the class and have to go yeah. down the road. And so um, I was out there for, I think, 18 weeks. And, um, you know, it was almost like being at Norwich again. And there was a group of us, we'd sneak off the, at the academy at night and you know, coming back, drinking, coming back up to the academy, drinking and driving, coming back up to the academy, not thinking twice about it. And, you know, hopping over fences to sneak back in so that, you know, the troopers wouldn't see us going in back into the barracks. And, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I got in some of the best shape I ever was in my life. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, when I get out, I get assigned to the, um, to the Boston Police Youth Violence Strike Force. And um, some of the most phenomenal police officers that I've, I've ever worked with. And, uh, you know, and, and I think it was there that I started to realize that the people that were encountering uh, the criminals and, and whatnot, and then looking back at all the juveniles that I worked with, that um, a lot of this came from family dysfunction whether it was drugs or alcohol or violence or, or whatnot. Um, but, you know, if I thought the construction world was uh, a place to drink, um, working in, in law enforcement, um, especially down there, you know, the, it was just, it was a, um, it was full of testosterone and a lot of booze mm -hmm. and, you know, so we would do warrants all morning or into the afternoon, and um, and next thing you know, we're down the Erie Pub or the Dubliner or, or whatnot. And again, it's like, how did I get back to Danvers? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I did, and and did it every you know every night. And so I I knew early on that I had a problem with drinking. There was no arguing. Um, I had enough people telling me that I did, um, but I, I just, I wasn't prepared to do anything about it. And, you know, when I was with Boston 
gang unit, I can remember getting up in the morning, you know, and I have young kids and um, <clears throat> I'd be in the shower at 4, 4.30. I'd puke in the shower, get out, get in front of the mirror, clean up. Promise God I wasn't going to drink that day and um, and head off into Boston. You know, and I, I'd, I'd be in a Crown Vic with three other cops and I couldn't imagine what the the alcohol content of the air inside of that cruiser mm -hmm. was at that hour. Mm -hmm. And um, so we'd go and do our thing and I'd be sitting down the Erie pub or, you know, I would make it back to Danvers and be down in the office and said, how did I get here again? You know, at this point I'm drinking, well, as you know, was, I'm drinking without my permission mm -hmm. and go back and do it again. And um, so <clears throat> I was still with Boston, and um, it was Bunker Hill Day, June 17th. So I had the day off because uh, Boston, it was a Boston holiday. And um, I remember coming out of my house, and uh, my wife was in the backyard. It was early with the kids, and I had the cordless phone at the time. And um, I couldn't tell you if she said, I love you or I hate you. But I, I took that phone and I smashed it into a thousand pieces off of a brick wall or a stone wall and looked at her and said, um, I'm not, something's not right. Mm -hmm. And I said that I was going to uh, go up to Georgetown, work on a house I was building. And if things didn't change when I get back, I was going to do something about it. Now, I had no idea what that meant mm -hmm. at that point in time. And. Um, so I did. I went up to Georgetown. I worked on a deck on this house. And uh, at noon, I went down to the Georgetown pub and, uh, you know, had a burger, fries, and a beer. And went back to the house and worked for another three or four hours. And um, on the way home, stopped at Sapinos and had a gin and tonic and realized that uh, this was the first time in my memory that I sat down and had one drink and walked away. Normally I would have sat there and they'd have been telling me to leave, you know, at 12, one o'clock. So I got home and I walked through the door and went and made a gin and tonic. Like I, it was my routine. And I came out back and, uh, and um, Ellen was out there and I looked at her and I said, I'm not right. And uh, so I was, um, so fortunate that uh, I had a really good relationship with my primary care doctor. Um, and I knew enough to call him. And, uh, and I called him up and I told him kind of where I was at. Um, and I wasn't at that point thinking I need to stop drinking. I was homicidal at that point. And, you know, and the reality is probably suicidal. And um, so um, my PCP, Marco Lara, um, he said, uh, I'd like you to go up to Beverly hospital and get an evaluation. And I had no idea what that even meant, but I trusted him enough and went. Mm -hmm. And so I grabbed my gin and tonic and I didn't realize I called my mother and, um, my mother was petrified where I was at. And, um, she called one of my brothers and, uh, Somehow they made it from wherever they were 
to Beverly Hospital in the same time I went from next town over. And uh, so I got there. Um, I don't know what I said to the receptionist, but next thing I know, this security's involved. And, um, <laughs> and he's in a straitjacket. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, the blessing in all that was um, that bought me a bed upstairs yeah. at the uh, at the Leland unit. And, um, you know, I remember getting up there and, uh, you know, they do the protocol with the Ativy and the Librium. And so you're in that fog for mm -hmm. 24 hours or whatever it was. And I remember coming out of the fog and I had to meet with some counselor. And um, I remember saying to her, uh, before we get into any of this talk shit, I want to know what kind of shape I was in because my memory was really spotty. And um, I said specifically my blood alcohol. And uh, so she goes on the computer and comes back and it was like a two, two or a two, three. And I was like, holy shit. Wow. I had a beer at noon, a gin and tonic at like four 30 and a half a gin and tonic. So this was over a significant period of time. Mm -hmm. And my BAC was still that high. And mm -hmm. you know, what it said to me was my body's not processing alcohol right. the way it's supposed to. And uh, so I'm up there and uh, I, um, I made a promise. I'm like, it's not like I'm going to be able to walk out the door. These doors are locked. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I said, I'm going to uh, do whatever they ask me to do. If it means I'm, I got to do naked cartwheels down the hallway, I'll do it. As long yeah. as I don't feel like I felt the day before, two days before. So on the. That's remember, called the gift of desperation. Yeah. yeah. And I remember looking up at the uh, schedule board. And it was the third day, maybe, and it, it said art therapy. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, are you, pardon my life, are you fucking kidding me? Me and art. And so there was this counselor there, um, Sally, and uh, you guys will probably remember the, the little metal stained glass things that you pour different colored yes, beads into. Yes. And somebody <laughs> puts it in a toaster oven, oven and yes. voila, you got a stained glass window. Yeah. Yeah. This girl's old. Well, <laughs> she and I are. I'm going to pretend I don't know. Um, so uh, I'm sitting there pouring these colored beads in, and I just burst out laughing. And Sally, the counselor, goes, Stephen, what's so funny? I'm like, Sally, if my fucking boys knew I'm sitting here in the cracker factory making a stained glass window, my my butterfly, they'd laugh me out of the state. But the reality was that was the first time I was able to hear what I needed to hear. And that's mm -hmm. when I heard about AA and yeah. um and uh you know, so I uh I spent eleven days up there. Um, you know, and and those eleven days were the 11 most important days of my life. You know, graduating from Norwich, yeah, it was a big thing. Um, you know, I graduated from the State Police Academy, uh, number two academically, number one physically, and still drank pretty well <laughs> while I was at it. Um, but getting out of there was, uh, it changed my life. Mm. And um, so I started that next day I, I went to AA and uh, in Danvers. And, um, you know, initially I went three days a week. I mean, uh, three, 
times a day mm -hmm. for months because I look at it this way and you know and 20 years later I still look at it that um, I've been given one shot at this and I don't know if God will give me a second chance um, so I kind of keep I keep that fear up front um, and you know it, and it's worked um, and uh, so I ended up kind of Rehooking up with Tito, yeah, a little bit later, and um, I was in an AWOL uh, over at Gordon College, and at the end of the six months, they have a special guest come in, and and Tito was the special guest speaker, wow. and I'm like, I had no idea he was in recovery. Wow! And um, so Tito ended up being my sponsor for a while, yeah. um, and. Uh, you know, when I went to that first AA meeting, and this is this is really important. There was an old timer in there. This, his name was um, Gil. He's since passed, but um, he talked about being prepared for the bell going off. And I'm sitting in there, like, "Fuck is this?" I mean, he was old guy. What's he talking about the bell going off? And the kid next to me said, "He he hit me," and he said, "Pay attention to them." He said. Uh, Gil was 25 plus years sober, and he said he's buried a son and a daughter due to directly due to drugs and alcohol. Wow. And I'm like, if somebody can do that and stay sober, I need to listen. And uh, you know, and and that's where he talked about building a foundation in AA. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, there's there's a million different ways to get sober. AA worked worked for me, and it and it still does today. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up three years. After that, um, in Lynn, uh, trying to serve a warrant, and um, I reached into a car to grab somebody, and they rolled the car window up and locked my arm in it and dragged me um, down the street. And um, I woke up at Salem Hospital with uh, essentially a broken neck and a broken back, and um, it, you know my my whole world was changed. Yeah. Um, not just physically, but uh, my identity, because my identity then, I was a cop, and it's over. My days of doing that were over. Um, uh, but people in AA held my hand right through it. Mm -hmm. You know, they'd pick me up for meetings, they'd have a meeting with me at the house, um, and uh, and that's where I ended up with Tito, meeting Tito, yeah. and he asked me if I wanted to be a recovery coach yeah. and that's how you and I met. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, I think back to how much I learned with you guys up in Methuen and, um, and, uh, <laughs> I, um, so I went from, from Methuen, I went over to Salem hospital and I was yeah. the first, uh, recovery coach in the ED yeah. there. And I spent, spent four or five years there. And, um, somewhere along the line, I met Danny, um, Which is who I need to transition to because mm. I'm looking at the time. So we're at, he's meeting well, he's you. He's doing a good segue for you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this is Essex event. County, Essex County Outreach. So, Danny, I want to bring it over to you. And I thank you for all that you do for Essex County, all that you do, especially for me personally and, and, and many of my friends. Like, you're an amazing role model to all of us. Mm. And I love what not even being in recovery and you create this thing to, for all police departments to work together. And um, 
what made you do it. Tell us a little bit about it and, and, and just thank you for your time. I appreciate you. Oh, don't be silly. Listening to you guys is always inspiring for me. Yeah. It reminds me why I try to do it. Um, so I, to be fully honest, uh, had gotten pregnant. <laughs> and um, so that was back in 2015. Um, and my chief was kind of, I was the first female um, in the department uh, to be pregnant. So he didn't really know what to do with me. So obviously this was the height of the, <laughs> the opiate epidemic and everything. Yeah. So he said, come up with a heroin policy for our department. So I was doing my research. I didn't want to just do something without researching, doing my homework first. Um, you know, I'd obviously stumbled upon the Gloucester program, was just getting up and running with the Angel program. Mm -hmm. uh, Arlington had a really successful program going on. So I was trying to pull bits and pieces from everything. Um, I went to the first Perry conference, the Police Addicted mm -hmm. uh, Assistance Recovery Initiative, and Plymouth County folks spoke there. Um, and it was really inspiring. There were a couple of police chiefs that spoke and how they kind of got all of Plymouth County uh, communicating with one another, especially on this database that they used. Um, you know, we on the front line of the of the problem see people at their worst. We get the 911 calls. We go respond. Um, we think we're doing the right thing. We bring them to the hospital and then we see them, you know, the next day. So there's got to be a better way. Um, and it was really inspiring to see how they all just collaborated on this database with one another, 27 different agencies there. Essex County is 34. Um, and just trying to find a way of, of how we could all work together, especially with all these great programs like the program that you help run um, and just just get people, uh, you know, a different way of, of law enforcement thinking about how to address the situation. Yeah. So with that, um, we applied for a grant uh, the city of New Brightport was kind of the, the figurehead for it. That was back in 2019. Um, COVID obviously hit and sent a lot of different programs back on the back burner. Um, but we, we, we adjusted, we adapted. Um, I was fortunate enough to reconnect with Steve. I don't remember how, to be honest. Um, but we, we talked. Um, he was definitely interested in becoming, you know, doing something where this program was just kind of up and running. Um, still a work in progress. So he jumped on board with us as the recovery coach supervisor. Nice. So it, it's basically, I mean, if there's if there's anything about the program in a nutshell, it's just there's so many different diverse departments within Essex County amongst itself, um, but nobody is immune to addiction. Um, so it's just literally identifying all of the partnerships that we have throughout all of our communities. How can we all work together? We're fortunate enough to have this great grant, which got renewed up until uh, 2025. Nice. So we're just trying to find, you know, the ways to best spend it and be most effective. Awesome. Awesome. And what I love about it is the ability to, we are a huge community. And if I have a Methuen resident that overdoses in another town, I get notified of it. So I go knock on their door and they're like, how'd you know? Like, I don't know. Santa told me. And I just think that that is so brilliant. And how, so is that the um, Pam and her husband? Is that what is it? So Pam and Sean, so, so Pam's husband, Brian, um, is actually the coordinator for yeah. our program now. So we kind of, uh, I don't know if he's listening or not, but we kind of got him, um, but we, we wanted Pam more, I think. So we kind of got him as default okay. um, <laughs> because she has just been absolutely, both of them have been yes. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, 
with just helping structure and organize a little bit of everything. Uh, because I have another full-time job too, and I wasn't really doing the program as much justice as it needed to have. Um, and But that's a really valid point of, so SIMS, the database that um, Pam and Sean uh, had created, which is Critical Incident Management Systems, was a good focal point to just be able to, um, you know, we know of an overdose that occurred in my town, but they live in Beverly or Methuen or wherever else. I can jot out this email to whoever the person is in our partnership there that handles outreaches, and then we're not missing people and people right. aren't slipping through the cracks. So it's, um, I think this year alone, we've had 16% of the overdoses have been multi-jurisdictional. Right. So if we didn't have this database, that would be 16% of the overdoses that we had that just kind of, yeah, again, fall through the cracks. Do you have the numbers of how many lives were saved from Narcan? I should have asked you to bring that. I know I asked for the overdoses well, and everything, or? Again, shout out to Pam. Yeah, she hooked me up a bit. Nice. Um, so, so far, so this is just for this year. So this is just strictly from January. And this until. is 34 of us, right? Not just Mary Mac Valley that you're reporting. This on. is for yeah. everybody in, yep, within Essex County. Um, and again, it's it's accurate within as many of the departments that we're still working out a few kinks with, with getting. I won't throw in over the bus ever. Uh-oh. <laughs> 100% reporting. Yeah. Um, but the, but the NACAN stat is that it was used in 74% of the incidents we've had so far this year. Yep. Um, and 94% of those ended up um, were recorded as non-fatals. So it just goes oh. to show the power of, yes. you know. Absolutely. And that's one of the big things that everyone's carrying. Like when I just think of how addiction has changed in law enforcement, like even just being at CARES for as many years as I have, like um, it was Jackie and Jen Pryor too, and just changing the stigma Right. In the police department itself, mm -hmm. with how you treat an individual, like to get them to understand that this is someone's son, daughter, mother, whatever, right. and um, and to see police officers really be invested in this is just um, it, it's a beautiful thing to see. And did you ever think it would come to this? Did you ever think like, oh yeah, we're going to maybe arrest them, but we're also going to work with them versus just throw them in jail and, and let the system deal with it? And we have Essex County where I know if there's someone that I can't, I actually had to reach out to you folks recently for a family out of my jurisdiction. And um, and to have that collaboration right. is just so amazing because part of their family is in Methuen, which is how the phone call came in, mm -hmm. but I'm not driving to the other cities to say, hey, and because we have this, that family actually had a plan put into place, conversations happening, and just the stress level just went down like this, like, oh my gosh, like how did that actually happen? And it was because of Essex County Outreach. So I, I thank you for that. I applaud you for getting pregnant and having nothing to do <laughs> and having to put together some kind of program, you yeah. know? So I know you have an office um, right on 110. Is that like open to the public or is that just where you folks sit? Is so uh, get a shout out to the uh, the sheriff because he was yep. so kind when when they had moved out of that uh, the old OCC building there uh, to offer up an office space for us to kind of have a just a location to to be able to start basing some some meetings out of. I mean, we have a lot of ideas and a lot of things moving forward, mm -hmm. um, especially as we're gaining momentum again and back on track since COVID. Nice. Having some great staff that that are helpful. Um, Did you all and, say hi to Erin? <laughs> 
She's still she's, with us. Yeah, she's in still Georgia with us. somewhere. She's, she's on a much needed vacation right now. Right. So yeah. <laughs> so we we allow everybody to get uh, breaks and vacations too. Yeah. Um, so that's at 80 Elm Street uh, off of 110 in Salisbury. Yeah. So as of right now, there aren't actual pop-in office hours uh, yeah. to be able to come in. But Steve's coordinating doing um, a weekly meeting that he's nice. going to start hosting. Um, and then again, the, the goal is eventually to be able to have drop-in hours as well. Awesome. Um, from March 6th for Black Balloon um, Day, we were going to do from 11 to noon, we're going to set up a, a canopy and a tent out front. Awesome. Um, we're going to uh, do some Narcan training and hand out some some Narcan for awesome. our folks. All are welcome. Good. Um, and just kind of just a remembrance for, for all the folks that we've lost. Um, and again, unfortunately, with Essex County, this year alone, there's been 16 um, fatal overdoses. So wow. obviously there's still a lot of work to be done. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of, I was at court the other day and they said how um, they really enjoyed having the two of you at the mom's group. No, uh, the night oh, before yeah, the yeah. mom's group. <laughs> I'm sure they love Steve. Yeah, <laughs> they really enjoyed having you folks there. So thank you for doing that. And, uh, and just thank you for all that you do. So I also know Essex County offers recovery coaches. Mm -hmm. So if an individual wanted a recovery coach, how would they go about to contacting you to say, hey, I need a recovery coach. So they can find us on our website. There's a contact page on that, which is www.essexcounty.com. Essexcountyoutreach.com. You think yep. I would know my own website. Um, <laughs> Why and, didn't we just do ECO.com? It, well, it's funny, right? When we did all of our... Yes. It would have been a lot easier if we yes. that a few times. Um, we also have a phone there too, which obviously isn't manned 24-7. Uh, but when somebody's in the office, we would check. Yep. And that phone number is 978-961-7388. Awesome. And, uh, or you can just track me down at Newburyport PD or Essex County Outreach. And nice. I'm always around and I do my best I can to get back as soon as I can. Well, so. um, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to put all that information that you gave us into the chat. Okay. Um, and that will stay there forever. So if people need to go back, they can review this. Awesome. And, um, so we're staying sober day to time. That's right. You're loving life. You're feeling better. You look great. Thank you. You're welcome. Too. And uh, and I just it's a joy to be on this journey with you guys. We've been all over the place. And like I said, he did hate us. You <laughs> <laughs> talk off yeah. the <laughs> It's all good. Um, we all live and learn the way I look at it. Life's life's journey. Don't ever stop trying to learn. And um, you know, if you're out there and you're CK. CK has a recovery county. I saw something. Um, but if you're struggling out there, there's so many. When I think of the resources that are available now versus 1987 when I got sober, there is so much. Um, so, so many resources. Yeah, and, uh, this, We've been getting, uh, been getting I didn't comments know. Hold on. We're going to read chat. the comments. So let's see. Phil Lane is saying hi, That's everyone. Cool. Kimberly Fall. Thank you for all the work you guys do. It's a great way for wellness, too. Congrats to Steve. Oh, hi, Beth. Hi, Beth. <laughs> hi, Danny. Such a pleasure to have been uh, able to be under your leadership. Like Keep says, doing amazing things. <laughs> Actually, I say this from the same to myself in Southeast. I know someone who saved Seltzer alone. We are doing a recertification of NACAN work. That's right. I think you're on day two, if I remember. Blake says, hi, Mom. <laughs> hi, Blake. Oh, my goodness. See, Kaz having a recovery thing. 
And then Jody, is there a multi-systematic discussion that's ongoing to proactively discuss gaps in the system? Response is of course so important, but it can, if but if collaterals who work with population would get ahead of it, more lives could be saved. So Jody, I would love to get more of what you're looking for because these are the things that we like to expand mm -hmm. on. So either call me or call Danny because I definitely want to move yeah. forward with that kind of conversation in regards to when you're talking about in the systems, what are you speaking of? Are you speaking of the court systems and what's going on there? Are you speaking of the systems of when an individual goes into treatment and getting them a bed? So that's something, come have coffee with us. Um, reach out to either Danny at the number she gave, or you can always call me at 978-701-7709 um, because that's something um, that I would, I think all of us would enjoy to learning more from you. I am new licensed therapist. Okay, so that's the Jody. All right, and Jody, I see that your email's there, so I will reach out to you within 24 hours because um, hmm. that'll be there. And um, we're going to have this conversation, um, and especially that you're a new therapist. We always can use them for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but any lasting things that you can think of? I know March 6th, this Monday, is Black Bloom um, Friday, Friday, Monday. Monday. I think of shopping. It's almost Friday. Um, so if you have lost a loved one or want to show um, support, you know, put a black balloon out at your facility um, just to show that, uh, just decrease the stigma. You know, there's no shame in, uh, in, in an illness, you know, that we're all battling for sure. And if you're struggling, seriously please reach out there are way too many resources to not be able to have um the opportunity um to get help that you deserve and as i was leaving work today there was a huge thing on the news about recovery ho homes stealing millions of dollars and these two men were arrested today and that's another thing um, i really want to bring to the public's attention just don't google a sober house mm -hmm. like reach out to us Reach out to your local police departments. Find out who they vet, who they've walked through um, to see for sober living. Um, there are some homes that are not brand appropriately that I wouldn't send someone to. And they may even be MASH certified, but I still may not send someone there. So do your homework. Don't just think that um, you need sober living or let's just call here because you're too embarrassed to reach out and ask someone the question. You know, there's... Now, pick up the phone, ask questions between the three of us and everyone that we work with. We know lots of places for individuals to go to that we would highly recommend for both mental health and also for substance misuse. So um, I want to thank you both again for your time, for being here. Thank you. I love you guys. Yeah. And um, this will be up and running. You can share it with everyone. And uh, Lou, I want to say thank you for your time and effort being here. And Phil Leahy will be joining us in two weeks. I don't know who his guest is, um, but he will be here two weeks from tonight. If you need us, reach out. You're not alone. And until next time, good night, everyone, and God bless. We'll see you soon.